Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game Changing Business Model Disruption, presented by SAP. The best run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game changing technologies and business strategies to help you shake up the status quo in your company's business capabilities and move your organization in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, you are absolutely positively in the right place. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I found an interesting quote on Forbes.com. Let me read it to you, and that will set the stage for part of our topic today. And this is a very exciting topic, so please listen up. The buzz, quote, welcome to the experience economy. I'm putting that all in caps, experience economy, where, as the Harvard Business Review so eloquently put it, a company intentionally uses services as the stage and goods as props to engage individual customers in a way that creates a memorable event. So we've got a couple of key words in there. We've got company. We're talking about economy. Yes. Experience and customers and memorable are all put together there. That's what we're talking about. What is this thing? The term experience economy was first used back in 1998. Hard to believe that's 21 years ago by B. Joseph Pine II and James H. Gilmore, who argued in a paper that businesses must orchestrate memorable events for their customers and that memory itself becomes the product or the experience, in quotes. What does this mean to industries? What does this mean to how ecosystems need to come together to make sure that the individual companies in those ecosystems deliver better experiences to their consumers. It means a lot, and that's what we're talking about today. Here's the bottom line for those of you out there who are just finding out about this 20 years later. The same old products and services, uh, 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 not going to cut it anymore. They will not keep you or make you competitive. They're not going to help you thrive and survive. We have a panel of three experts. They've been on before. They've been on the show together before. So I'm welcoming back Mark Gial, Senior VP and Global Head of SAP Cloud Platform Ecosystem, and Peter Meyer, General Manager and Co-Lead of the Industries Organization at SAP, and rounding out the panel, Sven Vitern, Head of Industry Business Innovation at SAP. Gentlemen, welcome back. And let's see what the quotes are. They sent us some really interesting new quotes. So starting off with Mark Gial, he says, this is a quote from Albert Einstein. Oh, you all know Einstein. Come on. 1921 Nobel Prize in Physics and the most famous formula in the world, E equals MC squared. Okay, we'll leave it at that. Here's the quote. The only source of knowledge is experience. Mark, Happy New Year and welcome back. How are you? I'm very good, Bonnie. Happy New Year to you as well. Thank you. Talk to me about this quote. It certainly packs a punch going with what we started, what I started out with in terms of experience economy. And Albert Einstein could not possibly, he passed away in 1955, he couldn't possibly have known we'd have the experience economy. So I think he was prescient and brilliant in advance, in addition to everything else. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, absolutely. I think it, you know, it comes back to, um, you know, this interplay between, between knowledge and experience, right? I mean, you, you, we learn through experiences. And I think this is why it's such an interesting time where we, we, we've now got bored of just buying products and, and getting frustrated, um, by the experience that we're getting in terms of poor lack of, poor lack of service. And this all now needs to come together. Um, and hopefully that, you know, improves 
what we receive and you know this this desire and this goal to to start to acquire or or buy experiences and hopefully that also improves our knowledge base um so yeah i think there's this this interplay between the two and it's it's apt for the discussion we're going to have today Interesting to me, Mark, question for you. We talk about experience economy. We're focusing on an individual, a consumer, a customer, whether it's B2B, B2C, or whatever combination of letters in the selling mode you want to use. Question is, is this focusing on me, me, me? We talk about some generations or the me generation. When you say that customer's experience, whether the customer is one person or a team or a company, that experience is what matters. That's what they remember. That's what they carry with them. That's what they attach to whatever they bought from you, from your company, from your organization. So are we going back to this me, me, me generation? Is What, what do you think? Is, there, is that a almost a psychological shift in how we want to approach buyers? In other words, every single interaction is part of that experience and that memory. What do you think? No, I'm not sure. I think I think in some ways maybe it's going in the the opposite direction because part of the experience maybe that you're getting is is that interaction between you and the group. You know, it could be your family, it could be a group of individuals that share similar interests. And I think that when you buy a product, all you're doing is buying the product, um, and that tends to be a one-to-one engagement. Where, as we now start to think about experience, it's not only the experience that you're getting from the provider of the product or service or more more likely products and services, but also how do you now interact with with your peers or how do you interact with your family and you will benefit from that. So so yes, you know, there there is a obviously a focus on the individual, but I think, you know, people want to get more by sharing that and this is what it's all about. It right it's the sharing economy in many ways. Ah, you know, I like that, Mark. That's a good spin, and I, <laughs> I thank you for for uh, disagreeing with me or or challenging me and moving it in a different direction. I like that. That makes for a really good conversation. Uh, I I have to tell our listeners that uh, when I have prep calls with my panelists before a show, and these three are are veterans of Game Changers Radio, so we didn't have a specific prep call. I always say you didn't come on the show. You're not coming on the show to agree with everything everybody says, and I love it when a, when a guest says to me, "Nobody, I don't agree with you." That makes Makes for a much more lively conversation, and I sit up a little straighter in my chair, Mr. Gee. Also, thank you very much for that. Very well put. And now we're going to go around the table slightly to Mr. Peter Meyer. And Peter has sent us a quote from Julius Caesar, Commentaries on the Civil War, Book Two, Chapter Eight. Peter, very seldom does a guest send me the details down to the chapter. I was waiting for the line number in the book, actually. <laughs> so let me give a little background. The Great Roman Civil War, 49 to 45 B.C., that's right, they counted backwards in those days, also known as Caesar's Civil War, was one of the last political-military conflicts in the Roman Republic before the establishment of the Roman Empire. There also is a quibble, I don't know if you knew this, Peter, there is a quibble, at least online, about whether Caesar actually wrote these words in these commentaries. I saw a discussion on that online when I was researching it, and the theory is nobody else would have used exactly that language, so damn it. It has to be Julius Caesar. So here is the quote, and it's absolutely perfect. The quote is, experience is the teacher of all things. Peter Meyer, welcome, and Happy New Year to you. How are you? You're very welcome, and I'm very privileged to be part with uh, with uh, you and, and the whole team. Be, be back in 2019. Thank you for having us. 
Oh, we're, de- we're delighted. So talk to me about this quote. I love it. And here, I just was complimenting Mark on picking a quote from Einstein that had the word experience in it. And now I'm going to say the same thing to you. Julius Caesar, back in WOW, was talking about experience. So I think we're just catching up to what the wise people from few, from previous generations were thinking. Talk to me about the quote. Yeah, I think from my point of view, uh, you know, when we talk about experiences, at the end of the day, it always comes back to people from my point of view, and that could be based on the, on the perception I have related to a brand, related to a product, related to I don't know what, right? It always comes back to the people. And then I think, you know, in the, in the past, not everybody, at least also in the future, not everybody likes the, the feedback immediately, right? The, the, the instant uh, feedback uh, related uh, to experience, right? That could mm-hmm. be, most of likely you like it when it's good, right? But it also could go in, in, in the other direction. And I feel that is the completely change in, in life moving forward. You basically have an experience and you instantly uh, uh, give your opinion regarding your experience in whatever situation you are. And I felt, you know, that is actually the truth. And it's, therefore, I called it the teacher of all things uh, what we do. If we like it or if we don't like it, but the fact what I like it's really uh, it's the truth. At least when I'm inside a company, that reflects the truth. And therefore, I, I felt that it's the teacher, right? It gives you the wake-up call every morning. Very, very well put. We all need that wake-up call every morning for various reasons. Uh, interesting story, at least to me, Peter, is I recently hired an electrician, a young man who is, has his own independent business. He calls himself a certified yeah. electrician to repair some, some uh, shall we just say, very, very poor poorly not surviving wiring from some antique lamps I inherited from my mother's collection of antiques. And this, these lamps were so bad that when you plug them into the outlet, before you even hit the on switch on the lamp, the fuse went out. It shorted just just yeah. being plugged into the outlet that bad. So he came and he did the job, a beautiful job, came twice, even came on a Sunday and uh, brought a helper with him. And he was neat. And they, they swept up after themselves if there were any little bits and pieces of, of supplies wiring on the floor. And then he sent me a link on text. And he said, would you please write a referral for me? This is an independent electrician, about 30 years old. He immediately yeah. wanted me to post my experience. I I don't do that. Not with my name anyway. So I said to him, I will think about it if I can use an anonymous online name. I'd be happy to post a positive. But it was interesting that he was immediately interested because I said, thank you for coming. You did a good job. I'm happy to pay you. He immediately wanted me to share my, here's our word, experience. And there's the sharing word from Mark a moment ago. He wanted me to share my experience with his services with a broader audience so that he could get more referrals. I I thought that was interesting. Does that surprise you, Peter? No, that does that's not surprise me uh, at all. Obviously, you mentioned security and right. What do you share and not? Yes, I think that all needs to be discussed and uh, uh, agreed upon. But I feel you know we have two ways. We can close our eyes or or we listen uh, to the experience. In in order to in in this uh, experience economy moving forward, right? Uh, we are dependent on the feedback. So your feedback towards that young person in order to grow his business and in order to. Uh, improve his uh, day-to-day operation uh, is helpful, assuming uh, uh, he will comply with, uh, with the security guidelines, etc. So I, I, I completely agree with him. 
Yeah. Very, very interesting. It was a new one for me. It was actually a new one for me. You know, when you, you engage with certain companies on the phone, like the phone company or any of the carriers, they'll say, uh, hit one if you agree to answer a survey and, you know, hit five or hit one, depending on what kind of experience you would you use this person again, the service person, this customer service person, this this technician who visited your home. But I've, I've never had somebody actually say to me, I'm texting you a link to leave <laughs> before he was even out the door. That was a new experience for me. Thank you, Peter. Pleasure to have you on. I know you're very busy today and we're honored that you're taking the time to join us. And now let's go around the table to Sven Vittern, Head of Industry Business Innovation at SAP. And I'm welcoming Sven on a couple of levels. Number one, back as part of this triumvirate of brilliant people. Number two, Sven is coming to us this year with a brand new radio series as a new member of the Game Changers radio family, and we're delighted about that. We'll talk about more about that later. Sven has sent us a quote from Heraclitus of Ephesus. That is a tongue twister. A pre-Socratic Greek philosopher, a native of the city of Ephesus, I guess that's where he got his name, part of the Persian Empire, and he was a lonely, lonely man. And he had paradoxes in his life, and he had stresses, and he was called the obscure and the weeping philosopher. I think we need Kleenex to dry up the tears, Sven. But he had a Aww. very interesting statement, this Heraclitus, and here's the, here's the quote Sven has selected. Change is the only constant in life. Sven Vittern, Happy New Year. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm excellent, and I'm really glad to be in your show. And I'm also looking forward to our our series on, on the self-leadership topics. That we yes, yes. So talk to me about this quote. Interesting. What's the only one of the three that doesn't have the word experience in it, but changes in it, and that's <laughs> part of our human experience. So talk to me. Yeah, well, the interesting thing is I think uh, one of the core themes of uh, Heraclitus' philosophy was also experience in the end. But he said, well, look, uh, one of his also famous saying is you never can enter the the same river twice, because the river is changing constantly. But how do we know that this is uh, still a river? How does it feel? Because it's our experience. When you translate this into business, I think our situation at the moment, for, our, for, for many of the companies, it's changing. The business models are changing. The rules of game are changing. Regulations, the, their clients are changing. How do they know that, uh, that they are on the right track? It's really, there we come back to the experience. On one side, they know from the past, but is this still true? So this is a big question that at the moment many customers are asking themselves. And uh, this is, I think, where the experience company comes in. I mean, the example you just shared is, is perfect for this. If it's an individual uh, uh, worker or whatever, or is it entire corporations, they want to know, are we still on the right track? It's the, ex- it's the experience. We want to understand how are we doing. Because we cannot be sure because of all this change. And so one of the key statements Heraclitus also did, and there I think it's closing to, to what uh, Mark Gill's uh, uh, statement was at the beginning, is um, experience without insight is not, not, re- not real. Only mm-hmm. if you gain from the experience insight and understanding, then you really make a real experience and, and yeah, it's your logos that is then in the end improving. That, that's the idea behind, and that's why I really love this quote, because it shows that uh, the idea of the experience and that everything is based on experience is not something that came up a few years ago. It's really going back thousands of years. And from that side, 
I'm contradicting my quote at the beginning because this is a constant <laughs> in the end. <laughs> it is, and you know my favorite French quote. I think you've heard me say it at least a couple times a year on radio is plus ça change, plus c'est la même chose. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Meaning I think our experiences yeah. with change and the way we change things, we keep coming back to something old or familiar or something that we, we found something positive in, maybe negative, and we bring it back in different flavors, different styles, different colors, different shapes. But the more things change, the more they stay the same. I think that's like we're, we're keeping on going around that circle of our own human experience. Do you agree with that? Absolutely, yes. I think the experience is really what makes all these change for us manageable. Otherwise, as, as, as well, Peter said, it's all about the humans. If you don't have this, well, we are lost there. Thank you very much. Let me, let me go around the table and ask that question before I ask where are you, what did you have to drink over the holidays, and what's new with you. Mark Eel, do you agree with that? The more things change, the more they stay the same, that we're going around in some kind of a, a cycle or a circle. And it certainly harks back to the quotes you brought from Einstein and Peter Meyer brought from Julius Caesar, where they were talking about experience hundreds and hundreds of years ago, and now we've named our part of our world the experience economy. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think there's there's definitely a, a cyclical factor here, a cyclical element. Um, you know, you 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 think even about how our uh, sort of um, the way we shop and the behaviour around shopping has changed, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, fifteen twenty years ago, when we went into stores, we still wanted somebody to to help us to yes. get the experience of the product, right? It happened to be a, yes. a store assistant. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Now there was always an element of, of well, they're obviously trying to sell me something, right? So how much do I, how much do I, I take that? But you, you still looked for them to an understanding of the product, to any experiences they had. Um, and now today, right? We, we go online and we go to, to you know any one of the, the online retailers and you look at reviews. And you know coming back to Sven's point just now. Um, you know, you, you, you're almost trusting in that individual, you know, that, that, that one, the, the review they're writing is legitimate, but more importantly, that they have the knowledge and the understanding of the product that they, they maybe even are in some way an expert on, on what they're talking about. And I think, you know, there, there's an element of trust, as, as Peter alluded to, um, but also, you know, you, you, you give to get, right? I mean, if you're not writing reviews on, on your experiences, why do you, why mm-hmm. do you expect other people um, to write theirs? So, yeah, I think there is a cycle. I think there's a cycle in terms of, you know, what we need to put in to, to get the value out. Um, you know, the, the, the fact that we're still after the same thing, right, which is to de-risk um, whatever it is we're buying, um, and hopefully to get, to get more sort of value or, or more knowledge or more, or more experience out of it. Thank you very much. Peter Meyer, what do you think? Do you agree with that, that we're going around? I, I love the word uh, cyclical, I think, Mark used. What do you, what do you think about that? So what, what, uh, what would you expect from my side? On which topic in particular? Okay, I want to know, do you think that we're going around in a, a cyclical, the idea that experience was something that these philosophers and warriors were talking about hundreds of years ago, and now we've named the experience economy? Are we picking up on a word that was very important to them, and now we're saying, aha, now we're identifying the experience economy? What do you think? Are we surprised? No, not at all. I think... Uh Elaborating on that, what uh, both uh, Mark and what uh, Sven has been saying, right? I think if you look at the uh, economy two or three years ago, or let's go back five or ten years ago, 
it, it, it became more digitalized as we talk. Now, I feel at the end of the day now, uh, if we talk experience, that can have multiple dimensions. It can have my experience dealing with a customer. It can mm-hmm. be my experience dealing with a product. It could be my feeling related to a brand. It could be my experience with people, right? And I feel now in the new economy, right, it was always a kind of a push model from a company towards us as people. Due to the fact that we have more um, sensors, that we have drones, that we have all these digital capabilities which are getting now uh, introduced into the market, Mm -hmm. the topic of experience is a logical step for that. So I feel the experience will be our, as I said it at the beginning, it will be our teacher. It will be our, the finger on the pulse on all mm-hmm. what companies do in the, in the future. They will get instant feedback. Guess what? They need that. In the experience economy, a company will not be in business by its own, right? You, you, you will collaborate, as we discussed in the last series already, with, with other companies. So from my point of view, the, the experience topic is just an evolution uh, in an, I will call it an experience economy moving forward based on all the trends which we have seen and, and based on all the movements which happened with the internet, with the sensors, with the drones, and now we're getting business, business to business, business to consumer. You need a feedback, otherwise how can you improve the services which you offer moving forward into the economy? So for me, that's a logical step. Thank you very much. It is a logical step. There's an upside and a downside. We all know what happened with Yelp, where people do a lot of complaining. Uh, they don't do it yes. sometimes anonymously, but I, I think we know the reputation. Uh, I, I had, when I was in New York uh, several years ago, went to dinner with two other, I was with somebody and we went to dinner with two other couples that my, my boyfriend at the time knew. And there was quite an argument about what restaurant we should pick. And one of the women from the other couple said, I don't want to go there. This was all done by phone. We weren't, we weren't texting. We were by phone. She said, I don't want to go to that restaurant the rest of you want to go to. And the question was, why not? And she said, well, I went on Yelp and I read 32 bad reviews about this restaurant and I don't want to go there. And I quietly said to her, I've been there three times. The service was excellent. The food was terrific. The pricing is reasonable. The ambiance was nice. Who would you rather listen to? My experience, and you know me, or the quote-unquote experience of 32 strangers who blasted the restaurant online. And she said, I'm going with the 32 strangers. I'm not kidding you. (laughs) And I haven't even thought about that in terms of experience economy, but this was where the mob rule ruled, right? The mob mentality ruled over a person she knew. Maybe she just didn't like me and didn't think I had good taste in restaurants. I don't know. I didn't particularly care for her. I didn't care for her either, but I was a little bit offended and a little bit... um, defensive and and I said seriously you're going to take a real live person you know face to face and you're going to discount yep. my experience over the any comments on that uh, Peter what do you think surprise yeah I, I, I really like I get super excited on your story you know what the difference <laughs> is to the past right you, you you went to one person you tried to trust him or you didn't trust him right yeah I think in, in the experience economy moving forward right you have your view like let's say as a as a US, as a, as a human or as a company, right? You get it from the supplier, you get it 
from their customer, you get it from the employees, you get it from all over the place, which basically improves your overall as a human or as a company or as a product, whatever. So that, that is the new stuff. So this is not a bread and butter CRM kind of activity anymore, what to sell. It goes way beyond that. And instantly, that is the new thing. That is the new thing. I'm excited. I like your example. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I have I have to give a chance to to spend and to Mark to comment on that. Spend. What do you think? Were you surprised? I was outvoted by Yelp. I'm I'm, I'm surprised. I would have gone with you. So <laughs> <laughs> I would have been glad to go take you to dinner with us. Actually, that would have been more fun. I think <laughs> there, there was quite. A, I think yeah. she eventually went to one of our selections of restaurants, but she wasn't happy because she thought Yelp outvoted us. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, Sven. Anything else you want to add? Now, I, I think it, the, the good, or uh, what you can learn from this example is um, this data that you get from experience, from mm-hmm. the experience uh, points, actually the custom engagements, whatever, you collect all these experience. It's very important and sensitive data. The quality may be bad, um, yeah. So this means for, for the restaurant, for instance, there, well, do they react to this? Do they respond to this? What, what should they do? So it's really the question, how can you get uh, quality data? Well, probably they don't have to control what's on Yelp. Yeah. Um, they may yeah. uh, well, get feedback, saying, well, it's not the truth. There are other ones, whatever. But I think what, what, and what that was what Peter was saying, uh, in the future, we expect that customers get the da- data directly to improve their service. It's not that they're publicizing or putting this on a public uh, web page. It's they want to get this first impression and much more comprehensive data than just a review that you can uh, put on some of the, uh, um, on these platforms there. It's really that they get immediate feedback. How, are, how am I as a company or as a restaurant, how am I performing? And then it's really tricky to, to close the loop. Yes. Only getting an insight and doing no action, well, then it's, it's not worth the money. You need to close the loop and take the right actions. And um, then you may, I think, look, also respond to, to negative feedback that you get. I don't know if it's either individual, depending if it's allowed to use this data or not, or anonymous, then you have it on a, on a larger scale. I think this is very important to see. Um, this, this, I think this is a key aspect of the experience economy. It's really... Uh, within the companies, not uh, in the, in the yes. Project, yes. What do you do with that feedback? What do you do with that quote-unquote experience? I have one other short story to tell you, but I want to get Mark in here. Mark, what's your thought on the, the mob rule or the mass uh, reaction of experience on something like Yelp, on a review site that's clearly for that purpose, where people feel empowered, they feel free to do some, to say something that they might not go walk up to the company or the restaurant maitre d' and say, hey, your food sucks and I don't like your, I don't like your waiter. They, they would do it anonymously online versus uh, individual experiences. Mark, what's your thought? I, I, I can't comment on whether she made the right decision. I'm not having much, had the pleasure <laughs> of uh, saying to one of your recommendations, Bonnie, but I, I, I think what it raises is a couple of interesting points, right? One, one mm-hmm. is that experience is personal. Right, so you know what you know what motivates you or what made you like that restaurant. You know, may be very different to to what your friend liked or didn't like. Mm-hmm. And yep. you know, you that that that's part of understanding. You know, maybe the motivation of the person or understanding the context. 
um, of, of you know, why um, you, know, you like it, right? Is it because the food's great? Is it because the restaurant is attractively priced? Is it the location? Is it the ambience, right? I mean, unless you have that, that sort of context and understand what drove that person to, to make that comment or to give that recommendation, um, it's difficult. So, and this is why there is an element of, of crowdsourcing when it, when it relates to sort of reviews and, and, you know, aggregated experience because you're trying to find commonality, right? If, they, if a number of those reviews are, are hitting the same negative mm-hmm. points, then maybe there is a, li- a higher likelihood that it's, that it's accurate. And I think, you know, that's where we have to be careful, right? I mean, you know, experience is personal. You need to understand yes. the context of the individual. Um, and, you know, also things change, right? You know, if, if they're taking the feedback and they're using that to improve the service, um, then, then, you know, maybe those reviews were two or three years out of date and they've, they've taken that on board. And when you went there, um, they'd sorted out their, their, their issues and, and it was a much better place to go. So, you know, you have to take these things with an open mind as well. Mark, that's a brilliant point, and thank you for that. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make an executive decision here. We're already so deep into the topic. I'm going to skip the break, so I hope you all have a sip of something in front of you. Uh, Aaron, to my engineer, we're not taking a break. We're just going to barrel through. Um, I'll just quickly ask the three of you, where are you calling from today? And uh, I think we know what you all do because you, you were on just a few weeks ago. So uh, where are you calling from, and what was your favorite holiday beverage? And then we're going to dive right into the formal roundtable portion. I don't want to break because the the momentum is too good here. So, Mark, you're, you were first to open on the show. So, Mark, where are you calling from, and what was your beverage over the holidays? Real fast. Um, so, I'm in, in a not so sunny London today. We had a bit of snow last night, but it's uh, it's mm. all melted now. Um, so, it's a little bit chilly, um, but it's a, it's a relatively clear day. Um, so, for my drink and my beverage, I, as you know, I like to go for either slightly obscure or something that is relevant to the topic. And I'm going to try and do a little bit of both. So today I'm going to have a a green ant and strange love gin and tonic. And the reason why, and the reason I'm going for this is I was at one of our field kickoff meetings in Australia two weeks ago. And when I was waiting to board my flight, I asked the, uh, the bartender in the lounge for a recommendation of an Australian gin because I'd never had an Australian gin and I was about to fly to Australia and he gave me a green ant gin which actually has ants in it so it's a little bit like mezcal where you have the where you have the worms so there are these little ants floating around in your gin and they, they give it they give it a kick it's a it's quite a spicy gin the, the ants have a sort of a coriander and sort of floral um, sort of, uh, sort of um, um, taste and flavour. Uh, mixing that with an Australian tonic called Strange Love Tonic, only because I love the name. Um, so that's what's in my drink, and I was drinking it a couple of weeks ago when I was on my way to Australia. Uh, and I looked it up, and Australian Green Ant A-N-T gin is carefully distilled in a column and basket still designed for by, by us, whoever is writing this, specifically for gin traditionally flavored, favored, favored by indigenous societies for medicinal benefits and protein content. I think that comes from the ants. And then I found a recipe here for the ginqueen.com, Stara Bombay Gin with Strange Love Light and Dirty Tonic. 
I'm, and it said when he finally got around by tasting a green ant, he said he was blown away. I don't know who's telling us stories. The Gin Queen, Mark. I, you might want to go look that up. It's page ten of forty. I'm gonna. I think it's a, a story, a, a real story. But, but there's a little something here I can't read on the air, so we'll leave that part off. Peter Meyer, where are you today? And what was your what's your favorite drink? Oh, so one one thing I I, I think Mark has basically taken. Uh, you know, last time when I was here, I was uh, all in favor for Monkey 47, you remember? Yes. And, uh, which was the gin from the Black Forest, right? So I can just uh, tell everybody, I tried it to the extent over Christmas, and it really resonated very well. And uh, Mark, I would be very glad to, to join you on your new drink. So when I traveled, I, you came always to my dream, uh, Ronnie, because I know you will challenge me when I'm next year. So here is what I found, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, I found something, uh, I, so first of all, I'm in Germany right now, it's starting to snow here, uh, it's the first week that I'm actually in Germany this year, which is great. Um, I, my favorite drink right now is the beer, uh, which is great minds drink alike. Ooh! Which is, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know you will react to that one. It's basically <laughs> a, a great divide brewery out of Denver. So I figured that out when I was last in the U.S. Uh, I, I was also on, a, on an airport and, and I felt, wow, that resonates. And I brought it with me. I wanted to share that with all of you. It's, I, I like it. I liked it. I love it, and great I see here great alike minds drink. drink alike. I've got a, I've got the T-shirt in front of me, and I've got a, there's somebody wearing oh. a whole suit at Essential PJ Salvage. Great minds drink alike. There is a serving plate. There are sweatshirts anywhere from five dollars and ninety nine cents to fifty bucks. Rick Monroe. It's a music video, Peter. It's a music video. Yeah. Great. Oh my goodness, Rick Monroe. It's on YouTube. Great minds drink. I got to listen to that after the show because we could just sit here and listen Absolutely. to it th- through my headset, but we're not going to do it. Rick Monroe, M O N R O E, Nashville, CDX Nashville, YouTube, 2014. Yeah. It's almost five, four and a half years ago. Wow, 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 wow. Fascinating. Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> Well, this is turning into not expect that German innovation idea. I didn't. This is turning into quite a show we've got here. Sven, look what you can look forward to for your series kickoff. Uh, and, uh, and, and Mark, for your, well, actually, this is episode 12 from last year. We didn't have enough calendar days to fill, fit it in. So we're still finishing up the 2018 series of business model disruption. I was going to say destruction there for a second. Sven Vinter, and let's go around to you. What are you drinking? Where are you today? Uh, I'm also in Germany. I was yesterday in, in Austria, there in the snow. And there I had a very interesting wine, actually. It's a typical um, Austrian wine. It's, it's a green Veltliner. But the strange thing, or actually was also a new experience uh, there, is it was uh, made into an, in, in, in a granite uh, barrel. So it was really a mm. stone barrel, and it tasted totally different from what you are used to, where wine is normally made in, in wooden barrels or in, in steel tanks or whatever. So this was a for me, a totally new experience. I never would have expected this. And, um, yeah, so they said they need to try new things, also talking about change, uh, because otherwise uh, they are not competitive on the global market. 
There you so go. Thank you very much. And by the way, came yesterday around. <laughs> very interesting. I'm I'm honored, Peter. I have to go back to your remark that when you travel, you think of me. I won't use the word you use. Thinking of new drinks to bring to the show. <laughs> I, I I'm still. I, I almost yeah, fell off my. I, I don't want to say that. I, I almost fell off my chair. I do have my cool, clear water here and in honor of the rain. It's raining cats and dogs here in Durham, North Carolina. But, you know, the other morning when we woke up, it was 17.17 degrees Fahrenheit. That's cold. And today it's in the mid-50s. So we are I, – I moved to the south because I wanted warmer weather than New York, but our weather is almost identical to the place I left in New York. So I didn't – you know, more things more things change the more they stay the same. Booyah, absolutely. Mark, I'm going to dive into your roundtable statements here. Let, let's talk about cross-industry. I think this is important. We've been talking mostly on the retail level just through experiences so far, but yeah. let me read a little bit from this statement and, and have you expand it, and then we'll see what uh, Peter and Sven have to say. You say the real value comes from cross-industry industry collaboration. Digital transformation, uh, for example, doesn't help an oil and gas company like Shell or BP. And you also talk about, you say you challenge any established industry that they cannot benefit from new platform business models and digital transformation to rethink their value chain and deliver new growth. Platform beats products every time. There's a lot in there, Mark, to unpack. I was just reading randomly. So why don't you take us in a direction where you want to go and we'll see what your colleagues have to say. Go ahead. Mark. Oh, we're actually back on the topic of uh, of digital disruption and and how it impacts industry and and what happens to different industries, which yes. is you know the, the focus of the last show and and to an extent you know what we're trying to build off today. Um, I mean, this is this is an area that I've had many discussions with 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 Peter, normally over a run early in the morning, because when we have these discussions over a beer in the evening, they they tend to become less effective. <laughs> um, and it, it, it's really that you know my my belief at least is is that. A lot of digital transformation is, is not about becoming digital. It's about how do you reinvent and how do you improve your business capabilities. And I think, you know, if you look at industry globally, there's been a, a lot of focus on industry best practice and process optimization for that industry, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. the shells and the BPs of this world have done phenomenal jobs of of, you know, optimizing their upstream and downstream processes. But many businesses now are, are moving into new areas, right? So, you know, the companies like Shell make a lot of money out of their, their gas stations, their petrol stations, right? So they're effectively a retailer. They also make money out of trading commodities, trading energy, trading trading their product, right? Do they forward, do they forward sell depending on their view of where the markets are going? So... You know, the, the, the assumption here or the, the, the question I'm asking is, is is there actually more value to be to be garnered from, from cross-industry best practice, right? So if I'm Shell, do I now want to understand how to optimize my business as a retailer or as a financial services company rather than just an upstream and downstream producer um, of, of, of a commodity? And in doing that, you can probably make that next step forward. And, you know, they can do that in, in different ways. They can use some of these new business models. They can combine different types of business models to, to hopefully drive those, you know, that extra growth or that extra market opportunity. Sometimes they reposition and, and refocus their supply chain, right, so that they can, that they can 
um, get access to, to, to new revenues and, again, new growth. So, you know, digital transformation isn't just about being digital. It's about, you know, learning, um, getting that new knowledge, getting that new experience, often from different industry types. Um, and then the second part of your question really relates to to platform. And I think, you know, here it's the difference between sort of linear and non-linear growth in many ways. I think many businesses today um, have a linear business model. You look at our organization, SAP, the way we grow mm-hmm. is we put more feet in the street selling more products or we add new products to sell, right? Yeah. It's a linear relationship. I add 10% more capacity, I can generate 10% more sales because I'm assuming people are pretty productive and, and pretty efficient. As we start to think platform, we've now started to benefit from the breadth and the diversity of our ecosystem and we can now scale through that as well. So we start to introduce nonlinear growth rates because now each of my partners can start to deliver growth or you know they can look at the, the interconnection between different products or they can combine product and service to improve the experience as we've been discussing up until now. So you know platform is about driving uh, effectively nonlinear growth and, and hence the, the statement platform beats product every time, right? Because you're starting to think out of the box. You're starting to get the benefit of that digital transformation that you're doing. And more importantly, you're, you're making your extended value chain, you, your customers, your partners, your associates, you know, more effective and, and hopefully getting value out of that overall network, not just your own, your own business itself. Thank you very much, Mark. I, I did want to focus on cross-industry collaboration. Collaboration is part of that experience. It may not be directly thought of in the same sentence as the experience economy, but it, it's tracking back into how does that experience get created, and ecosystem value chain is all part of it. Peter Meyer, love to get your thoughts on this. We had a lot of good information from Mark. What do you think? Yeah, I think, you know, if you take this now to the extreme, right, uh, in independently in which industry you are, right? If you are in a hospital, right, you would like to take care of your life, you would like to take care of your health, and you would like to have care. On the CP side, you would like to be unique, you have the responsibility, and you want to have high quality. If you travel, you want to be safe, you want to mm-hmm. be reliable, and you want to travel convenient, right? So at the end of the day, actually, the customers in the, the, in the, the uh, new economy they basically make a lot of promises to you, to me, to Mark, to everybody uh, uh, individually, right? So if, if, if we take this, the customer experience is really everything. And if you take that to the extreme, what Mark was talking about, this will have a, a lot of ripple effects in the different industries, right? It goes from the, from the experience to the customer finally, how to get the product to the customer, to the production, also to research and engineering. So this has a huge impact on the experience, which I will call now the X. And then it's all about the, the operations, how to get the products there, how to service the customer and all the people who do the work, right? That's what I need to call the operations. So I call it X and O, right? So we, you need to bring these two worlds uh, uh, together. And uh, as we have said, you know, there is a huge obligation moving forward now to help these customers to make all these promises towards their customer to make that work. And uh, I think, as we all know, nothing is damaging more relationship uh, uh, in case an experience uh, of, a, of a promise, for example, is uh, uh, broken. So 
this is not only about the experience economy, it's not only about the end customer. I think experience are really created wherever humans, machines interact with people, with products, and uh, uh, with, with, with service. And I think to point it out, and I think that's important, customer experience is not the responsibility of the salespeople and the service folks, right? What I said at the beginning, the entire organization has to deliver on really well-designed yep. promises. If one does not deliver, the experience gets shitty, right? And you get immediately your feedback. So that's, that's basically what I wanted to, to, to lay out and what Mark was saying, you know, this fits very nice how the industry boundaries are blurring and how this will come together moving forward. Thank you very much. I, I want to get um, I want to get uh, Sven in on this, and then I have a little story to tell all of you that I think will tie this all up nicely in terms of ecosystem, in terms of cross industry, in terms of customer experience. I'm saving the story, but I have to get Sven in here first. Sven, we're, we're talking about a lot of things here, and I'd love for you to chime in on any or all of what Mark and Peter just brought up. Yeah. No. Thanks. Um, yeah, I think one, one of the things that Mark was bringing up was actually this, this business network or network aspect. And I think when you see this is, uh, for me, one of the drivers which will change the experience, the customer experience in the end dramatically. And um, how will this happen? Just give an example. I think if you're a company and are sourcing uh, at the moment services or products from, from your used suppliers, you try to keep the number of suppliers low because uh, every additional supplier at the moment creates more costs, it's more complicated, you don't trust them and so on. But when you join or think about that you source in a business network, you suddenly have a much wider variety and a wider, cho- uh, broader choice. And this will allow you, for instance, to choose exactly the service uh, that you need to provide your customers uh, the perfect service that they may expect. But in order to see if you are doing right, there I think we, we close to loop again with the experience company. You need to uh, the experience uh, um, economy. I mean, so if, if you help, if you understand your customers better, you can really pull it through that, uh, the entire value chain to your suppliers uh, and choose the one that is really providing this service you need to deliver the best experience to your customers. And that's where I see that, that I think uh, these business model transformation that we talked about, because the business networks are one of the new business models that we see, and the experience company, uh, economy are really, really coming together. I know that's a big change, big transformation, um, and it will take some time until this will, will, will see to materialize, but um, this is something where, where we see that it's, uh, all these things heading. Thank you very much. Great comments around the table. Let me share my story briefly, and then we're going to go in about three minutes into our crystal ball. I wanted to redesign my kitchen, which actually happened yesterday. But I went to a major, uh, major, shall we say, do-it-yourself type of a store, you know, big box store. They're all over the United States, maybe all over the world. I won't tell you the colors of their banner, but there's only a couple of them that are at the forefront of that industry. And I spoke to somebody at the customer service desk, and I said, I'd, I'd like you to point me in the right direction. I want to go talk to your kitchen redesign department. Where in this vast store will I find that department? This woman at the customer service desk stepped away from the desk, came out into the aisle, brought me closer, beckoned me to listen to her. She was speaking just above a whisper, and she said, don't use our company for that. I was beyond shocked, and I said, tell me why, and she said, 
because of, and she didn't use the word ecosystem, but you all know what I'm talking about, and she didn't use the word supply chain, but you know that's what I'm talking about. She said, our suppliers are not able to deliver the materials to our contractors, and we have had to cancel, cancel a bunch of jobs a month into the customer waiting for delivery of things like countertops and other materials for kitchen makeovers. She said, I'm telling you, don't use my company. Go somewhere else. I'm not kidding you. I left the store thinking... Wow, she put herself at risk of, I didn't say anything, she could have been lost her job in a heartbeat, but she was basically saying, I'm telling you, you're going to have a crappy customer experience if you engage us to do that job, because we cannot deliver. And I think she was giving the message of everything Mark, you and Peter and Sven have been talking about, that whole industry ecosystem. Now, I did end up a month later saying, well, I've used them for that in New York. Now I'm here in North Carolina. I'm going to trust my customer experience with that company. So I called up. I got the name of their contractor. I called them. The job has been done superbly. But when the estimator came to my home to measure the kitchen, I said to him, somebody at the company, your contracting company is is engaged with, I said somebody told me not to use their services because of delay or non-delivery of the materials that are used to renovate a kitchen. And he said, yes, that's one particular style of countertop. The company is in trouble. They are not able to deliver. They are late on fulfilling orders, and we know exactly who they are, what the style is, and we won't use that particular style in our kitchen makeovers. But you're ordering quartz, and that company has a good reputation, and we'll get it for you. So I closed the loop of knowledge for myself because I couldn't believe there was no way this big company could do anybody's kitchens anymore because of a totally bad supply chain. Anyway, everything worked out fine, but they did have to order a certain color for me from Spain because they couldn't find it anywhere in the United States. But they delivered, and they were only one week late on the original promise of delivery date, and it's been done absolutely beautifully. Anybody want to react to that before we go into predictions real fast? Mark or Peter or Sven about how this really ties up what we've been talking about. What do you think? Any comments from anybody? Everybody yell at once. Go ahead. I mean, no, no, I mean, I, I just I, would I say that, Peter, uh, promising, promising, uh, some, promising an experience is easy. Uh, the hard part is uh, fulfilling it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Who else wanted to talk? Was that you, Mark? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it builds, it, it builds on some of the earlier points as well, which is, you know, you, you, you need to understand the context, right? So she was providing you with what she thought was the right information to give you the, the right experience, right, and, and actually ensure you've got a good experience. Yes, But it was yes. a relatively small set of, of the product, and, and you, you need that broader context, right? If you had that broader context, then you would have been able to make the, the right decision sooner. So exactly. Is, is so exactly. Yeah. And her heart was in the right place. Her heart was in the right place, but her information was not complete. And when I talked to the contractor, mm-hmm. he was able to fill in the details for me and help me make a better decision. We are just about at the point where I have 60 seconds for each of you, and that's all we have. So, Mark, you're up first. Predictions, go ahead. Predictions, experience, economy, ecosystem, cross-industry collaboration, any or all of the above 60 seconds. What's up for 2019 to 2025? Go ahead. Uh, I think building on Peter's point, it's 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 this: how do you bring together 
this experience data, this experience information, and the operational data, right? So again, your 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 example just there shows the need to bring together the operational data, the supply chain, the understanding of the logistics, the understanding of the issue with the experience. And it's only if you can combine the two and start to think about how it impacts your brand, how it impacts the customer behavior, how it impacts your employees, because they're also an important part of this. Uh, if you can't do that, then you're not going to deliver that value and that benefit. So experience economy is here. It's how you bring it together with the operational side of things that's really going to enable you to differentiate as a business. Perfect. Peter Meyer, 60 seconds, real fast, actually 45 seconds. Go. Yeah, uh, uh, pretty clear along Mark, right? I think uh, moving forward in the uh, experience economy, experience is not a geek uh, from my point of view. Great companies who want to survive moving forward, they really design and operate their really end-to-end operations to consistently deliver on their promises which they make to their customers. That will be the new norm moving forward. Thank you. Sven Vitcher and Talk Fast. What do you got? Yeah. Oh, since we have in the past always the machine data and IoT data are in the center of, of uh, many of the companies' ITs. I think we are now putting back the human into the center. And that's about the, uh, the thing about the experienced company. So I'm really glad that we will have this in the future. Thank you very much. Gentlemen, it has been a true pleasure speaking with the three of you. You're all smart and savvy, and you jump in and very, very interesting commentary. I think we had a very broad discussion here, and I hope you were pleased, Mark. I'm just going to wish you all a happy new year, and I know, Sven, I'll be seeing you soon on the Megatrend series, and I know Mark is coming back with Torsten Leidek on the business model disruption, and Peter Meyer, I know you're going to come back on one or both of those series during the year. I'm going to do a shout-out to my engineer, Aaron Keller, who is very brave in hosting these shows because we just change the format every 10 minutes and it's fine. And I want to say thank you to all of our listeners for making last year a banner year. We had 1.24 million listens to all of our series last year from all of you all over the world and we are so grateful that you appreciate and are... Uh, it's, it's all of you who make it that way. It, it, apparently, we're doing something right. So let's make another banner year out of 20, 2019. Thank you. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Mark Eall, just like Peter Meyer, and just like Sven Vitern. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Talk to you again soon. Go out and be a game changer. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Game-Changing Business Model Disruption. The best-run business is run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham on Thursdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.